The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, First Horizon Bank, and Florida Blue. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am doing well, thanks. Listen, before we get started, I just got to tell you a quick story. I love your story. Listen, I, so I'm a movie guy. I love movies. And one of my all-time favorite movies, The Magnificent Seven, uh, not not the newer one. Uh, the old got, Western. I, the old Western one. Yeah. The newer one I got a little issues, which also was based on Seven Samurai. That's another story. But I love that original movie. And I saw it as a kid and it was very meaningful to me. And I've watched it a million times. Well, one of my favorite scenes in it, there's a scene in it where the, the seven cowboys the gunmen, they're fighting the bad guys and they get tricked and they get captured and they get kicked out of town. And so basically they're all told just to leave. And so the one guy gives, puts his gun belt back on and basically says, I'm going to ride down there and fight these 50 bad guys by myself. And so the other guys are looking at him like, what are you doing? And he just looks at him and he goes, nobody hands me on my gun and tells me to run. He's like, I'm just going to go down there and I'm going to do it. And I don't know, but like my whole life I've kind of lived like that, which is in my head, I'm like, when I see something, it's like a problem. It's like, I don't want to be a guy that just hears about problems. I want to jump in there and do something. Mm-hmm. Like now sometimes I go too rogue, but I'm like, let's just go down there and let's get it done. Right. So that's kind of what I think. Well, today we have two guests that they are not people that talk. They are doing things every single day that's tackling some of the biggest problems you can imagine in our community, but they also also nationally and that's our friends from the Boys and Girls Club of Central Florida. Thank you to our guests for being here today. So glad to have you. So first off, we got a Betsy Owens, and she's the VP of Marketing and Community Relations for the Boys and Girls Club of Central Florida. So thanks for being here, Betsy. Thank you, John. And I'm comparing you to an outlaw gunman. That's what I say <laughs> that, that around the table. Uh, and then Richard Yant, who's a Senior Development Officer of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida. So Richard, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, sir. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. So I appreciate it. So let's, uh, Betsy, why don't we start with you? Can you just tell us, big picture, what is a Boys and Girls Club all about? What If somebody just didn't know anything about it, what do they need to know? John, we have about 40 clubs in the Central Florida area. We operate in the after-school hours and or Actually, we say the non-school hours. So we're also open during summer breaks. Um, Whenever children are not in school and parents need to be at work, we're open. And we're all about kind of closing the opportunity gap that exists for children who are kind of born on the wrong side of the opportunity gap in Central Florida. So children who are from under-resourced neighborhoods who, without our intervention, would have nowhere safe to go after school. Um, we provide them with academic support, with positive role models, and with enriching extracurricular activities that otherwise their families might not be able to provide for them. Well, that's like that's a big deal. I, I think about um, things that we would miss. Uh, I don't know that Central Florida would miss me when I'm gone, but we would miss like the garbage men, right? Like pretty quick. Like there's certain things we have to have. When I think about you guys, like if you guys weren't around, what would Central Florida look like in six months? And it, it would be bad. I mean, you know, these these are kids and they're good kids, a lot of them, 
at the same time, we all know that if you have kids in their middle school age and their parents are working in their home alone, you know, all kinds of unhealthy things could happen, right? That's right. Um, it's kind of a misconception that, you know, crime happens at night mm-hmm. for youth crime. Um, you know, the big, the, the most, you know, prevalent hours are the after school hours when children are left unattended and they're bored and they don't know what else to do. And they're in under-resourced neighborhoods and, um, you know, uh, idle hands are the, are the, the devil's workshop. Right. I, 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 joke with parents. My daughters are older now, but when they were younger and I would, or even when the parents were talking about having kids in their middle school and early high school, my joke would be is like, they can't get pregnant if they're playing soccer or they can't mm-hmm. get pregnant if they're running track. Right. And it's the same thing you're saying. It's like, if you take a kid and then school's day's done and they're getting extra involvement activities, that's really helpful. And of course, uh, it's not like you're babysitting and it's, it's, it's real extra activities, right? It's, it's some stuff that's meaty and helpful and educating them in a whole nother level. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're, um, we're the, the, the array of opportunities that we're offering them is really incredible. Um, we have a literacy program where we have book groups for children, um, we have athletic teams that, you know, as a parent, you know how expensive it is for children to participate in, in athletics. And, you know, a lot of these children wouldn't have that opportunity without us. We have a fabulous art program. You know, a lot of the children that we serve, their gifts may not be in academia, maybe in other areas. And we're sure. all about setting out to discover their gifts and help nurture them and give them the confidence that they need to, to thrive in life. So help me understand. So like if, um, if, uh, if I, you know, dad, I got a couple of kids and, um, and, and mom and, but sure, we're working class people. We got jobs and activities and we are in close proximity to one of those clubs. So mm-hmm. could we just come over and see you and say, Hey, I want to put my kids in the clubs and, uh, Hey, my daughter's really good at athletics and you know, my son's really good at artistic stuff. Do you work like that in conjunction with the parents? Is that a thing? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're all about meeting children where they are and um, helping nurture their gifts. And um, so absolutely. Yeah. What You can check out our website and find out where our clubs are located and reach out directly to the clubs and we're happy to find a place. So that's also, I guess that's a big deal too, is about resources, right? So you know, if you're in a community that's, uh, you, what do you say, the gap, the uh, opportunity, the opportunity that, gap. That, that's really, I like the way you articulate that. So if somebody's in that area and they're getting these resources that kids are getting poured into, which we all want at the same time, the, the funding can't really come from that community. There is no, there is no funds. And so that must be a big part of your world is like, Hey, we got to get funding from communities that have extra into these so that these kids get extra resources and, and everybody wins. It's a win thing, right? That's right. I mean, we like to say we have, you know, a, a negative economic model where the more customers we serve, the more money we lose. Right. And so we don't charge the children that come to our clubs or their families. So we have to get those resources elsewhere. And it's expensive, Oh yeah. Um, you know, and so... Uh, we we are heavily reliant on uh, the goodwill of people in neighboring neighborhoods um, to help support these children, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because it's a good investment in our shared future. Gotcha. Well, uh, Richard, let me bring you in the conversation because the club you work out of is actually really close to my office. Is That's Eatonville. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of a good example. That's a uh, historically black community. Um, um, I think one of the oldest or largest established in America and, uh, your club is thriving and doing great things. It's right there by the middle school. Is that correct? 
Uh, yeah, the elementary school. Elementary oh, school. Yeah, yeah right so so those kids get to go to school, and then they can just walk straight over right over class, right in, right into your building. Yep, there's a, a handoff in the parking lot, so the the last uh, classes uh, finish in the school day, and you know they're they're handed over to our staff members come in the club and you know start a full day of a variety of activities, which you know Betsy just you know, shared with you briefly, and uh, you know we we do all the academic success stuff, we do the healthy lifestyles and sports, but um, you know, the big important thing is it's, it's, you know, veiled in, in love and fun. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, the kids are having a good time and, you know, we're bringing value to them and, um, they keep coming back because we want to make sure they're in a safe place where they're, um, learning and growing and have people around them who care about them. Uh, you were so kind of giving me a tour. He took me all around there and he's a big guy. I wanted to get on his back, carry me around. He didn't <laughs> do that, but he could have. But, uh, one of the things that was so cool is like, it's beautiful. You know, it's a beautiful place. It's a, it, it feels safe. It feels fun. It felt relaxing. I like, I mean, Mike, you and I could go over there and hang out. I mean, seriously, like if you, right. it would be weird, but if you and I went over there, we, you would have a nice time. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fun place. It's like, you know, sometimes, and I went through public school systems. Some of the schools I went to were good, but some kind of felt prison-y, you know, like they just the style they were set up. It doesn't feel like it's a fun, safe environment. And what I want to also say, I just thought it was so cool because you guys know I'm a big college guy. Not College is not for everybody, but for a lot of people it is. And you guys like have all these, you know, pennants for all these different schools and that gives somebody vision, right? Some kids have the total chops to go to college, but they don't know that they can. They really don't know how to go. And I think even by you just promoting them and the concept, you can help get some kids there. Is that right, Richard? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, I mean, Betsy talked about this briefly as well, but you know, we want, we want to support every kid and their goals, you know, and for a lot of them, you know, they, they think college is their path and, you know, we want to you know, lean into that and, and push them towards, you know, fulfilling and reaching those goals. Um, but for others, it's, you know, maybe not the case. So we do things also in the kind of workforce development, workforce ready, readiness space and um, try to make sure our kids have the tools they need and a plan for their future um, so they can be successful, ready, whether that's going to college or going to vocational school and getting some sort of certification. So they're, you know, by the time graduating high school, they're ready to enter the workforce and um, you know, be taxpaying citizens here in the community. That's awesome. We're going to take a break uh, right before you. I just want to make this statement that, you know, it's so easy, I think, for any of us, if we're looking at social media, we're looking at the news and to look at things and be like, man, there's so many problems. People are like, oh, there's all these problems in the world and someone should do something. Who's going to do something? And you guys are doing it. Like you're doing it every single day. And that's very inspiring to me that like uh, when there's people that need uh, pouring into you know, when we think about young people like uh, being like a sponge, they're absorbing everything around them. And if there's in them kind of hate and negativity, that's one thing. If it's being absorbed around them of education, technology, awareness, empathy, structure, like that's influencing who they are. And so that's that's that sounds like what you guys are doing every day. And that's really awesome. It's really awesome. So anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break and be back with our friends with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gail, PC, for being a sponsor of our program. 
Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally to serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Did you know you may still qualify for 2023 health coverage? Life can happen unexpectedly, so don't let life changes stop you from getting the health coverage you deserve. Call an exclusive Florida Boot agent to see if you qualify for a special enrollment period. 1-877-352-5830. That's 1-877-352-5830. Policies have limitations and exclusions. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world? To people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, the hapless, and hopeless. To learn how you can be a partner of this frontline ministry with your time, talent, or treasure, visit frontier-partners.org. That's frontier-partners.org. Once again, here is John Crossman. And we're back with our friends Richard Yaunt and Betsy Owens from the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida. And uh, Richard, I just got to ask you about this, okay? Apparently you played a little college football. Is that true? Did that happen? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, yes, I did, did play a little <laughs> college football, yeah. All right. Now, what position, what school? Uh, I went to the College of William & Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, and uh, I was recruited to play defensive end uh, at the college there. Okay. All right. Real, this is just real quick. I want to know this. I want you to visualize that you're playing in the Super Bowl and the, the whistle goes and you just charge up. You just blow right past the offensive lineman. You're sprinting full speed and you're going to hit that quarterback sack important moment Super Bowl. Who do you want to sack the most? Who, who would you want to just totally pile drive into the ground uh, quarterback? You know, if, man, John, I'm a, I'm a big NFL fan, you know, and I'm probably going to upset some Buccaneers people or something, but I, I got to go Tom Brady. Oh know, my just gosh. To, just to get I, it on I, the record. L- listen, there. listen, you, you made everyone in the studio happy. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like every good American, I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan. I, in my head, Mike, when I asked the question, in my head, I was like, please say Tom Brady. Please there's say there's Tom one Brady. answer there, right? <laughs> Only one answer. If he says Marino, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave. Not to mention, that's probably the easiest person to sack at football so, at this point. Wow. Wow. And he threw some shade on him. Give this guy a promotion. Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida, give him a promotion. Well, obviously, you know, for you, and by, by the way, outstanding university. I've had a chance to tour your campus. You and I have talked about that. It's just a really, really special place. Uh, but obviously that sports really meant something to you. And so as you were developing up as a young man, that kind of helped position you and, and placed you, right? Is yeah. That, is that true? Yeah. Graduating college, you know, my, my intention was to work with youth. Um, you know, I wanted to be a football coach and came down here and um, started teaching, you know, was substitute teaching in, in Brevard County and um, had the opportunity, found a job uh, part-time working at Boys and Girls Clubs and um, 
that quickly turned into a career, became a club director, and had uh, the pleasure of working with some amazing kids out in Melbourne, Florida, before making my way out here to Orlando. That's awesome. And so for you, being a young person and having coaches and people pour into you, and then you know the outpouring of that is that you're now pouring other people. So you know, um, I know like in the big picture, what you guys are doing, how important it is, but tell me kind of like on a human level, can you give an example of like, Hey, there was this specific kid and this is an example of what we're doing and how that turns out. Uh, Betsy or Richard, do you have an example you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Betsy. Well, I'll brag on Richard a little bit because, uh, one of the kids that I think is a shining example of what we do was under Richard's tutelage at that, at that Melbourne club. And, um, he was one of the first kids that I met. His name was Isaiah, or is Isaiah, um, after I started working. And one of my jobs is to photograph children for our publications. And so I went down to Melbourne and picked him up to take him to a park to photograph. And he got in the car, and the first thing, he just blew me away. The first thing he did was he reached across and shook my hand. He looked me in the eye. He asked me questions about my day. And I knew from Richard that he was, you know, from very tough circumstances. And I had an, an eighth grade son at the time. And this child was much more polished and appropriate with an adult than my own son would have been given the opportunity, many opportunities that my own son had had. And it made me think we're doing something right in our clubs where we're preparing these children to, to interact with adults in the world. And Isaiah is now, um, he's now graduated from high school. He uh, I believe plays uh, college football mm-hmm. and um, just a great kid. But that's just one of many examples of, you know, what, what we do with children in our clubs. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Richard, you want to talk about Isaiah? How was that when the first time you met him? Isaiah? Yeah, he's such a cool kid. You know, um, I think when I met him, he was probably in fourth grade or something like that. And, um, you know, just one of those kids that's really charismatic, got a great, a great attitude. Um, and a hunger to learn. And, um, you know, it was a single mom at home and um, two, two sisters. And, you know, I just remember him always being this kind of fun kid, but calming personality, um, a leader who just did things the right way and um, was always willing to help out. And, you know, he just, you know, I think really benefited from having, you know, the club in his life, um, both myself and you know, the staff people I worked with, um, just to continue to push him along a journey that was probably inevitable for him because he was just such an awesome young man. Um, you know, but, you know, to have those people that kind of keep you on track, keep pushing you in the right direction and, and tell you that they believe in you and, you know, you're doing all the right stuff is really important. So it's, it's, it's huge. It's critical. If I right? could just interject Please. too, his older sister, Alicia also came up through the club and, um, graduated last year from Rollins College on a full scholarship. Come on. How about that? So, yeah, there are so many success stories. Right. And so these kids, like, again, the absence of the Boys and Girls Club, I mean, there's so many ways that goes goes bad. I mean, and part of it is, um, is um, you know, um, unplanned pregnancies that, you know, if a, if a young woman is not college educated, not high school educated, has a baby, like, and I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to shame that, right? There's lots of stories and where that can go positive. It's a huge burden for life financially that sometimes it's hard to recover. And so if you take that same young lady and she graduates high school, graduates college, and then she gets married and she has a high, you know, like her, her trajectory of life is so much better and for her, for her children, right? So, and so the same thing's true for a young man like that. 
with Isaiah, like, what if, what if he hadn't found athletics? Like that just goes in a very different direction. He's still who he is, but that, that same personality could be used to be doing, you know, crimes or something else that's, that's damaging to society. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the club there, it was, um, in the middle of a public housing development, you know, so it's, um, you know, families that have, you know, two, three, four kids, um, you know, and there's, you know, the way I always looked at it was I wanted each of those kids to have a plan for what they were going to do, be able to verbalize that and know the steps that they needed to take to get there. Because if they didn't, we, you know, we would see dad, big brother, you know, mom, you know, at one o'clock sitting on the front stoop at the house, you know, with a beer or something like that. And we just didn't, we knew that without intentional, you know, effort, um, and, you know, taking those steps, they could get lost and, you know, not have the success that we knew that they had the potential to have. Richard, I, uh, I had a big, the biggest chunk of my childhood was in a, you know, I'll call it a working class, uh, neighborhood. And, um, year, all these years later, there were guys that were older than me and, um, that, that didn't really leave and that they have some, had some struggles in life. And as an adult, it always kind of shocked me because they were kind of people I looked up to. And so I saw a kid from that neighborhood a few years ago and I said, yeah, I don't understand. Like, why are these people I admire so much not doing as much in their life? And some, it seems sort of sad in some ways. And my friend said to me, he goes, John, you got to understand, like in your household, you were raised with vision. You were raised to think big. He's like, your parents read books, right? And it really hit me. It really hit me like, oh my gosh, even though we were in the same community and my household was a, was a different dynamic going on that really helped me and to do some different things. And so it's like, that's Richard, what you've been, you know, to these, some of these young people. It's like, you're providing that of like looking inside them and saying, Hey, here's a vision of a place you can go. That's powerful. Thanks, John. Yeah. And I I think the vision in combination just with kind of the grit that our kids, you know, um, experience growing up, it's, it's super inspiring. You know, they're, they're all just packed full of potential, and um, they just need somebody and something in their life to to pour into them. You, you know, can I just, I'm sorry, Reverend, yeah, no, I just want to say this really, it's really important. It's like what you just said as an employer, like I want to hire those kids more than I would hire some other kids. I, I guess lecture at a lot of colleges and, and I, I guess lecture at um, University of Florida uh, kind of regularly in their graduate program. And I, I meet these kids. It's not uncommon. I meet a kid that's getting two master's degrees at the same time, like a law degree and a master's at the same time. And when I look at them, they've never made a B their whole life. They're super bright, wonderful kids. But the number one thing that I think they struggle with is fear. Like I'll be like, hey, you need to reach out to this guy through LinkedIn. And then we'll do it. They're so scared about making a mistake. And so sometimes when you get a kid from like a gritty background, even though they didn't, they may have straight A's or have all the tutors and all that, but man, they'll find a solution. Mm -hmm. They'll find a way. They'll take a chance, you know? And so for some occupations, it's better having a kid with a boys and girls club background than, you know, some sort of Ivy league background. Is that true? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think if you've overcome some hardships early in life, that's, you know, it's formative and that, which doesn't break us, makes us stronger. So absolutely. Those kids have an advantage in that regard. Yeah. Well, look, I, when I think about every single way I could, I could endorse you guys, I would. Right. So I think what you're doing is saving lives. And I think it's also generationally impactful. Um, You know, sometimes when we think about, you know, the kid that grows up in the environment where they're abused and, and what that kid will think is, I would never abuse my kid, but then they have a kid and the kid spills their Kool-Aid or whatever, and then they immediately think to hit them because there's not been a replacement skill set, right? 
And so that's what you're doing. You're praying this replacement skill set that's additive, right? So if the parent didn't um, have this really focus on education, now they're focused on education. They then focus their children's education. So it's generational, correct? When you talk to alumni of our clubs, you know, it, it, we like to talk about the programs that we do, but the single most important thing is that positive role model. And we have wonderful, trained, loving adults in our clubs who provide that role model, who teach these children how to adult, what a functioning, loving adult looks like. And, and that's what really counts. That's what really stays with them. Well, um, just to get us wrapped up, you know, I, I, uh, people that know me, I have to say this all the time, that we live in a culture that seems to think I tweet, therefore I am. Like somehow if I tweet the perfect tweet, uh, that has currency and, and, and that does not have currency, right? We need more people that are willing to sacrifice and, and serve and, uh, and make a difference. You guys are doing that every day. And so thank you for what you're doing. You're making our communities a better place to live. And I would say the people listening to this, like, if you're a person, you're like, John, I got no time. Well, you can support financially. If you say, I've got no money, but I have a little time, you could support by just mentoring and, and being there as a volunteer. So I hope people will listen to this and then find ways to reach out to you guys. So thank you, Richard. Thanks for being here. Thanks, John. Betsy, thanks for being here. And thanks for what you're doing to make our community a better place. Thanks for the opportunity to, to be here. Absolutely. This is John Crossman. This has been the Crossman Conversation. And as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.